So today brings us to the last, our final instalment of our Baptist distinctive series that we've been um, looking at. Oh, Kids Church, yes. I have it in my notes, but not on this page. Yes, sorry. Very sorry. Kids Church, it is your time to head over to the other side. You got a sneak peek of the sermon as well. So lucky. But enjoy. I really should put that note on the same page as this here so I don't overlook it, eh? But yes, as I was saying, today does bring us to um, our final day of our Baptist Distinctive Series. So looking at some of the key things that make up part of our Baptist identity. And so the final distinctive that we're looking at today is mission. And mission is a central part of our Baptist identity. So not many years ago, my understanding or my view of mission was probably about this big, I reckon. Because in my experience, the only time I'd really heard mission talked about was regarding the overseas missionaries that we supported here at church. And I remember there even was a missions team. But all my experience of them was kind of like they talked at church meetings about like what we were paying or how we were supporting our overseas missionaries. And that seemed to be about it as far as my experience went. And I remember some people from church heading off to do mission. And that meant that they were off overseas somewhere. Um, and they were going to live with people in a different country where I thought they could offer them something that obviously these people didn't already have. So they needed, you know, they needed these people to go to them. And then I remember those people, they would come back from their um, time away, whether it was a short-term mission or long-term, and they would share their stories about their experiences, about what they'd done, about what they'd learnt. And hearing these stories was always quite remarkable. Like, isn't always like, wow, imagine that. But then I also found them a little terrifying, and I'd think to myself, Yikes, I really hope God never calls me to go overseas and do missions like that because that sounds like a lot of hard work, you know. And then I remember talking at youth group one day with a friend um, and discussing why does everyone go overseas, you know, to do mission when there seems to be, I had this kind of building realisation that there, there seem to be people in New Zealand right here on our doorstep who kind of had as much need as people did overseas um, and... They also needed to know Jesus, just the same as the rest of us. And so I wondered, I wonder what countries send missionaries to New Zealand? You know, I wondered, maybe maybe Thai people come to New Zealand as missionaries, because I know that we sent people to them. So maybe they sent people to us as well. Or maybe we got people from, like, America or the UK, because they possibly had, you know, a better, better handle on living. You know, and they maybe had some expertise to share with us, I thought. Like I said, my understanding and my view of what mission was was really small, really small and very narrow. And then I went to Kerry and I had to do a paper called Mission of God. And due to my very narrow view of mission, I wasn't really looking forward to this paper because, you know, by that stage I was fairly confident that God didn't want me to go overseas but rather wanted me to stay local, to be a pastor And so why did I have to do this paper learning about the mission of God? Because I wasn't going to be likely heading out onto what I thought was the mission field. 
And so I thought this paper likely would be a bit of a waste of time. You know, it turns out my view on a lot of things was very narrow at that time. But I went along to the Mission of God paper, of course, because you know, I go to my, had to go to my classes. And I mean, at least it was taught by George Wheland, who he's a lecturer at Kerry, and he's a Scottish guy. Maybe you've heard of him. He's very fun. Um, and I remember I sat in the front row, which... I don't know, maybe it was all that was left, eh? But anyway, or maybe I was trying to make a good impression on that day. Even though, you know, I'd kind of already checked out because I was like, what, what worth of, is this paper going to be to me? But I sat in the front row of that class and on that very first day, from that very first lesson, my mind was blown wide open. My understanding of what mission was went from being like this to being like this. Yes, I mean, mission certainly was all of the things that I thought it was, the overseas portion of it, you know, but it, my goodness, it was so, so much more. There was so much more to it than I had ever thought. And I remember coming out of that class and just kind of reeling at this change of point of view that I'd experienced. And I got home, and I must have been talking to Josh on the phone, I think, and I was quizzing him like, so, you know, if you, if you were to give a homeless person some lunch or something, would that be mission? And before he could even answer, I was like, yes, yes, it could be mission. And I was very excited that mission had all of a sudden become this huge, wide open possibility rather than this just very specific and narrow and daunting task that I had kind of built it up to be. So I reckon that mission of God class, it probably was one of my most memorable first classes. And so from there, my understanding and my view of mission really grew until my understanding became mission is everything. Everything is mission. Because the mission of God was the Great Commission to go and make disciples of everyone. So I wondered, why do we bother calling some of it ministry? If it could all just be called mission, you know, because a sermon on a Sunday, that's part of making disciples. So is kids' church, so is youth group. You know, and taking, taking part in a community event, well, that could be mission because, you know, you were going out, serving people. And even having a conversation with a friend or a stranger, you know, about God, that could be mission because, once again, it's kind of building into making disciples. And who knows, it might have even been going out at the same time. But everything became mission for a while there for me. But then that also flipped and as everything became mission, mission kind of became nothing as well. Why call it mission if we could just call it all ministry then, if it's all the same thing? I'm glad that my understanding blew wide open, but maybe I allowed it to blow out you know, just a little bit too far. So I spent the rest of that semester in that class kind of allowing my view of mission to be widened exponentially, but also reining in my understanding of what mission was to sharpen it to exactly kind of what mission really was, and not, whilst not allowing that definition to get too small or allowing it to get too broad again. And since then, I've learned a whole lot more about mission, and I've come to love and appreciate what mission really is. And I've been troubled when I've heard that other churches or maybe other denominations, they don't really talk about mission that much. They don't really have um, kind of the same understanding of mission that we do. Maybe their understanding is about as small as mine was. 
And so I am so pleased and so proud to be a part of a denomination that recognises and celebrates the importance of mission and its centralness to our walking with Jesus. So let's just pray as we get into it. Father God, we thank you for your mission. Thank you that you call us to participate with you in sharing your good news. We thank you that you have given us purpose on this earth, that you have shown us people to reach, and that you delight as every new disciple comes to know you, Father. We pray this morning that you would speak to us and that we would hear your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So if we're talking about God's mission, a great place to start is with the Great Commission, which is Matthew 28, the very end of it, verses 18 to 20, which I'll read through now if you want to join me. I think it's going to go up on the, on the screen as well. So starting from verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So when John Tucker came and did his introduction back at the start of the series, he recalled um, this passage, and he also recalled that hundreds of years ago, when the church read these words, when the church heard these words, they assumed that this instruction was given by Jesus to his disciples, but just only in that time. And that being the case, When the church read these words, they understood that the tasks laid out in this passage, you know, the going, the making disciples, baptizing, teaching, they thought that that job was done. You know, Jesus had asked his disciples to do that. They had subsequently gone out and did it. And that was that. You know, they kind of didn't need to worry so much about this passage anymore. And it wasn't until William Carey, who was born in 1761, so I mean in the scheme of like all of the years we've been counting, that's not that long ago for in terms of like the Bible's existence. When William Carey was reading through scripture with some friends one day, he realized, or probably had a very divine revelation, that the words of the Great Commission, they weren't just spoken to the one group of people in one time. Instead, they were spoken for all disciples throughout all of time, instructing all believers to go, to make disciples, to baptize, and to teach. For all of those years, all of those years, up until the late 1700s, churches who read this passage read just a recollection of a day in the life of of Jesus' disciples. They read that a task was given, and subsequently that it was fulfilled. And that was that. In all of those years, the gospel never traveled out too far. The gospel, it remained in churches, in the hearts of believers. And whilst it was shared around, people, new people came to faith, they preached publicly, it was never a priority for them at all to take the gospel beyond just kind of their immediate, beyond their local. 
And I mean, I thought my revelations about the mission were pretty huge, but imagine being William Carey that day, having kind of mission not exist to all of a sudden. There's something huge that we've got to do. The gospel message can, and it should, it should have legs, and those legs should work to carry it out into places that it's never been to before. All of a sudden, the gospel couldn't just live locally for William Carey. It had to live globally, and Carey, he had to do something about it. So in 1792, William Carey, he'd convinced kind of enough people um, with his reading of the Great Commission And so him, along with three others, they formed the first Baptist Missionary Society. And then the following year, Kerry went out with some others into the mission field in India. It took all of those years, so many years, for them to discover and to recover the heart of this passage. And so I really hope that we don't lose it once again, our Great Commission Jesus told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples all that I have commanded you, to obey all that I've commanded you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. After his resurrection, Jesus has come to his disciples and he confirms to them that he is the Son of Man that they have read about in the book of Daniel, the one who has given all authority in heaven and on earth. What was only ever attributed to God, Jesus now has demonstrated that it also belongs to him, that he is God and God is in him. Jesus is the Messiah, which he, pro- he has proven through his resurrection. And with all the authority that he has, he lays down this command to his disciples. Jesus tells his disciples, those that were there with him, to go and make disciples of all nations. The book of Matthew identifies multiple times that Jesus' own mission was to the people of Israel, the lost sheep. Of Israel, but now, since his resurrection, his mission is expanded and it now includes all nations, Jews and Gentiles alike. And just as Jesus made his own disciples walking alongside those who came to follow him, he now invites his disciples to do the same again to go out, to tell new people of the good news, of the wonders of following Jesus, and then walk with them as they begin their own journeys. In this commission to disciple all nations, it involves two activities of ministry. They are to baptize and they are to teach those whom they disciple. And that is to be done in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But these two activities, don't think of them just as kind of like things to check off, like have they been baptized? Yep. Have they been taught? Yep. Okay, they're a disciple. Jesus gave these specific instructions because he knew the value, he knew the worth of these things Um, in terms of discipleship. He knew what they could do. Sharing the gospel with an individual who had never otherwise heard it, it was an excellent start. It helped them to forge that relationship between them and God. But then if they baptized them, baptizing these individuals who'd come to faith, 
It took it that essential step further. It was a sign of inclusion, of covenanting inclusion, of bringing these believers into a community of believers that would walk with them, that would share in their journey with them. Baptizing them, it connected them to the greater body. And Jesus asked them to teach, to teach the new disciples to obey all of the commands Jesus had given. Baptizing helped to connect them horizontally into a body of believers, but teaching them helped to connect them vertically with Christ, who is the head of the body. Jesus instructs his disciples to teach all of these new disciples to help them to learn the story of the gospel, to help them to learn about the character of God and help them to know Christ as their saviour, not just to know about him, but to truly know him and to learn to walk with him and walk in his ways. Matthew's gospel, it begins with an introduction of Emmanuel, God with us. And then it ends in verse 20 with Jesus speaking out that same promise himself to his disciples. Jesus assures them that he will be present with them always, even to the end of the age. Jesus, who has been given all authority in heaven and on earth, goes with his disciples as they go out to all of the nations. And as they remain with Jesus, as they follow his lead, they participate in that power and authority that has been given to Jesus. Instead of him just kind of imparting it onto them and then letting them go and do their own thing, Jesus promises to go with them, to walk with them as they invite new believers to walk with him too. It is this presence which is promised throughout Matthew's gospel that will empower and give hope to the spread of this mission. It was the Great Commission. It was given by Jesus to his first disciples, and it is recorded as God's holy word to all disciples throughout all of time. We are to go out to all nations to make disciples, to create and walk with new believers. We are to welcome them, into our body of believers through baptizing them, joining them to this covenant community. And we are to teach them the gospel, the awesome story of our God and the incredible sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ and the freedom that was bought for us so that all may come to truly know Christ in all his fullness and learn to live with him and walk in his ways. But remember, we don't go alone or unempowered. We go with the presence of the risen Christ, our Savior, who invites us. He invites us in to participate with him in his power and authority in heaven and on earth. This is God's mission. And we, we are all missionaries of it. This is what we've got to do. I mean, Scripture lays it out pretty plainly for us. And our Baptist tradition recognizes and celebrates the importance and the centrality of this passage to our life on earth today. God has a mission for us. We're called to take part in it. So what might that look like for us on the ground? 
The Baptist movement here in Aotearoa has a really rich history of mission. The New Zealand Baptist, Min Baptist Missionary Society, it was set up very promptly after the First Baptist Church was even planted here. And after their founding in 1885, within months, they'd sent out their first missionary, who was Rosalie McGeorge, and she went to work with the Bengali people in India. And over the past 135 years, NZBMS has continued to send New Zealand missionaries all across the globe as legs to the gospel, allowing the opportunity for everyone to hear the good news. And maybe that's what your participation in mission looks like, an uprooting of your life to go somewhere else, to go to a place where you'll set down new roots, to live amongst new people who need to hear the new good news. Time and effort put into learning a new culture, maybe a new language, a new way of living. Maybe that is what God is calling you to do as you participate in his mission. Alternatively, over the years, organisations have formed and grown up that focus primarily on local mission, serving the needs that we find on our own front doorstep. A Baptist example of this in Aotearoa is UNO, which stands for Urban Neighbours of Hope, which John Tucker, he spoke briefly about it when he came. UNO's mission is to immerse themselves in the life of neighbourhoods facing urban poverty and to join the risen Jesus in seeking transformation from the bottom up. It was initiated by a couple, Dave and Denise Timms, and their vision and mission statements and their description of their purpose and you know, what they do is full of words like community of Christians who share a set of common commitments share lives and resources with their neighbours, share Jesus and word, sign and deed. And they share values, neighbourhood disciplines, priorities and practices for the purpose of spreading the good news. And they work to seek justice, both locally and systematically, for those who are on the margins. Uno, it certainly isn't just a fun club that, you know, meets once a week or once a month. Being a part of UNO means actually living together, like multiple families living in one home or within one property. And they commit all aspects of their lives to working to make a difference in local communities, which they've done in one community in Randwick Park in Manurewa, which you can read about online if you would like to. But on their website, they write, they want to commit to, we want to commit long-term to our neighbourhoods. Therefore, to help make this lifestyle sustainable, we also share a common rhythm of life on team. This includes breaking bread together regularly during the week, living out our values, praying for our neighbourhoods, and taking weekly Sabbaths. Uno sees their mission on the ground not too differently, really, from those who serve overseas. Those who are a part of UNO, they, they uproot their lives. Maybe they just don't go too far with it, if, if even at all, but they uproot their lives to go and live intentionally, to put down new roots amongst a new group of people who need to hear 
the good news. They put their time and their effort into learning a new culture. Maybe it's a bit of a new language, a new way of living. And sometimes they've only gone to the next neighborhood. But maybe that's what your participation in God's mission will look like. Intentionally putting down roots where you are to serve those in your immediate vicinity. Regardless of what, whether your participation in God's mission occurs near or far, I mean, there's still plenty of people who need to hear the good news. In order to participate in God's mission, though, there needs to be an element of go. Sometimes the element of go looks like going far away. But sometimes the element of go looks like going out of your comfort zone, even within your own place. It's been said multiple times throughout this series, but the Baptist movement was and still is a very radical one. The ways we look at leadership, worship, discipleship, mission are different. They're radical, and there's something in each of them that is to be celebrated. In his introduction, John described the Baptist movement as a radical and dynamic way of being the church. And if mission is a core part of what it means for us to be a church, then how do we express that in a radical and dynamic way? We can express it by making a commitment to going out, to physically moving ourselves, whether that be moving our location or moving our state of mind, so that we can reach those who otherwise might never hear the good news. We make a commitment to going out to make disciples, to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and to teaching them to obey all of Jesus' commands. And how do we do this? How are we able to take on this great mission in this radical and dynamic way? We can do it because Jesus is with us, the one to whom all authority in heaven and on earth has been given. He promises his presence with us, even to the ends of the age, into the darkest neighborhoods, into the hearts of the loneliest people, of the people who are hurting the deepest, those who have the greatest need. He promises to walk with us to those people and into those places. And that is what we've got to do And Jesus is with us, so that is how we're going to do it. So what now, can I ask, what now are we waiting for? Lord God, you call us to be a part of your mission on this earth. Father, that is why you've placed us on this earth and why you've called these people here this morning to be a part of this church body to reach this community which we are a part of, the community that we were planted in amongst. Lord God, you have called us to go out, to make disciples, to baptize, to teach. And Jesus, you promise to always be with us. Into the deepest, darkest places you will walk with us, Jesus. So what are we going to do? Lord God, we ask that you would speak to us, really stir us, God. Show us where you want us to go. Show us the what now 
part of this. Show us how we get started and how we begin to walk into those places where previously no one has gone. Father God, we thank you that you give us the privilege of participating in your mission. It's not an easy task, and it's certainly not a small one, but God, you go with us, and you want us to join with you in this. So Father, go with us and speak to us on the way. Let us know where we're headed. Let us know where you want us to go. In Jesus' name, amen.